Welcome to the Unblocking Crypto Podcast. This podcast is not financial advice. It's meant for entertainment purposes only. These are just the opinions of a couple of rambling wrecks. Alrighty, welcome back to Unblocking Crypto, episode number 82. Hal, great to see you as always. Yeah, good to see you, buddy. An interesting week. A lot of big news that has been happening here in the past seven or nine days since we did this last one. But let's start off with probably one of the, the most interesting one is the court siding with Grayscale uh, versus the SEC and their yeah. their ETF that will theoretically be turned into a spot ETF in the near future. <laughs> Although when that near future really it, happens, it's still to be determined. Right. So it's, it's exciting news, but there's really no timeline of what's going to happen or when it's going to happen either. Yeah, so I kind of... I kind of dove into this one because it's one of the things that I find to be important right now. So it sounds like Grayscale, the the appellate court ruled in favor of Grayscale. So when you challenge a regulator, you skip all the other courts and you go straight to the appellate court. So there wasn't a superior court and then a, a series of other rulings. So you go straight to the appellate court. And the the whole basis for the rejection was that there's not an adequate sized market uh, to prevent manipulation, and this was all in to defend the retail investor. And so they ruled, yeah, their their decision to allow the futures be, uh, Bitcoin ETFs with the same underlying asset, with the same size market, with the same ability to manipulate the underlying assets. If then the they treated the grayscale conversion to an ETF differently than the same, essentially the same or like enough asset class and and investment vehicle as the futures ETF. So the SEC kind of backed themselves into a corner, which is what we probably talked about a year ago, maybe. <laughs> that like, why can't they just let one of these Bitcoin spot ETFs go forward because they did it for the futures? And, you know, the, the argument that the futures are settled in dollars and that's somehow better and it, and it, it, it excuses yourself from the underlying asset being the problem. It's like, oh, okay, so it's nice to know that the court system has some reasonable uh, ability to apply logic to this. So, A, you know, it, it's definitely good news. If, if you're just looking at the signal, that's a good thing. The courts have been super favorable if you look at this in combination with the Ripple case, because... I thought that I thought this was this. It seems normal. Like this seems very logical. Hey, yeah, you should allow this to be an ETF. There's no reason you shouldn't. The Ripple one seemed like extra favorable for Ripple to be not a security once uh, once the you're selling Ripple on open market. So the way I see it, you you've got Grayscale wants to make this thing an ETF. The SEC has 45 days to decide if they're gonna appeal this. If they appeal it, it either goes to the Supreme Court or it goes back to the appellate court, but it'll be all the judges, which I believe is 12 or 13 judges, instead of just the sampling three that they got. And so either way, the SEC is going to have to figure out if they can think they can win on an appeal. Because I, everything I read along the way, they, it was like the, they were shocked at how bad the SEC was defending themselves. Um, so I don't know what the SEC is going to do here, but if I'm Grayscale, I'm pushing hard to get my ETF ahead of all the other ETFs that are coming out from a different angle. Um, they've got 
all of them. Arc, BlackRock, Bitwise, VanEck, Wisdom Tree, Valkyrie, Invesco, Fidelity, all of those are current pending ETFs for spot Bitcoin. So if you can get out in front, there's a big there's a big advantage there. And the SEC could always, and you mentioned it a few months ago, they could just say, okay, fine, we're going to reject the futures ETFs that we previously approved. And they can, it depends on how hard the SEC wants to fight the, the wave of, the wave of ETFs that are coming. Yeah. And what's interesting too, is one of the other things that I saw, you mentioned some of the, the three judges talking about the SEC, the comments they made about them were really interesting where the SEC fell short of the standard. They made unexplained calls. They were, they failed to adequately explain its argument, which that doesn't sound like good terminology when you're in court trying to persuade three different judges that what you're doing is, is, is right. Especially if you had a lot of time to prepare for this. This is, it's not like they didn't see this coming. And I mean, I don't know what all is on the SEC's attorney's docket, but it seems like this would be at the top. So I don't know what this means. I saw some, some ETF prognosticators come out and say 75% chance that a Bitcoin spot ETF gets passed this year and a 95% chance that it gets started next year, whether that's this one or not. And they said they could just approve, they could blanket approve all eight or nine that are open at the same time so that they're not trying to pick a winner or let someone front run the other the other companies that applied. So it looks like it's going to happen. Of course, it they could push back. It kind of the, the Biden administration really wants to put pressure on the SEC to fight it. That is the way I see it. Uh, they have, it seems like they just want to slow play everything. So we'll see how it goes. But right now you can buy GBTC at a 20% discount to the net asset value. So there is a bit of a, a bet that you can place on if you think this is going to convert it to an ETF or not. So we'll see. Actually something I'm going to start looking into transferring some of my Roth 401k into, into that as well. Right. Yeah. So. You can buy it inside your, inside your tax advantaged accounts and all the normal, that's the beauty of the ETF, right? You, you can buy it with money that you can't access for Bitcoin spot purchases. Or if you can't, if you do, you've got to kind of jump through some hoops. This is the Ethereum futures should have no problem getting sent through after all of this stuff too. So I think that's kind of like an October timeframe is when they expect the Ethereum futures stuff to come through. So no I know idea. you're not an Ethereum fan, but <laughs> yeah, it, it's coming right around, right around the corner now too. So huge news, right? I mean, huge news, but still <laughs> to be determined on how quickly that actually makes something happen. The other big thing that I saw was, and we talked about it a couple of weeks ago when the, the BRICS conference happened I think literally two weeks ago at this point. Really interesting. I guess there's a, a lot that kind of came out of it because it was a couple of days. The big takeaways that I saw was it seemed like Brazil seemed to be the biggest country trying to get BRICS to create their own new currency. And everybody else was pushing away from that. I mean, Russia, China, especially saying they don't want to do that. So what has come out of that 
in my opinion, is if they're not going to create their own cryptocurrency, this really opens the door for somebody like a Ripple, right? That is going to help them transact all this different currencies back and forth across country borders. Now, the only issue with Ripple that I see is that Ripple is headquartered in California, <laughs> in the U.S. So if they're trying to get away from the U.S. and they're now dealing with a company that is based in the U.S., is there any worry from their end? And you, you could argue that the XRP blockchain is somewhat decentralized and not exactly going to be reliant on U.S. law. And it's kind of decentralized, kind of like Bitcoin, maybe. Well, maybe not truly decentralized like that, but uh, so yeah. So I mean, it's it'll be intriguing to see what really happens and if this benefits Ripple. And the other big news I think that just happened, maybe even today, was that India is buying oil from the UAE and they're doing it in rupees. So this is the first time that they have bought or exchanged oil for something other than, than the U.S. dollar. Yeah, that's the thing that I noticed from that BRICS meeting. It looked like. Six more countries were going to be extended an invitation to join the BRICS. Egypt, Ethiopia, Argentina, UAE, Iran, and Saudi Arabia, which oil, 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 you know, there's there's a lot to be said there for which countries are being invited in. I don't know what value Ethiopia brings to the table. That's a big, Ethiopia is a very big hole in my global uh, economic outlook on things. I'm I don't, I don't know exactly what they bring to the table, but the rest of them have some some pretty decent resources or geographies that that would be useful. So, you know, Egypt's kind of necessary, I think, because they've got a canal that to access global trade. So, to me, BRICS may not be so much currency focused, but they're scooping up some oil. I mean, Saudi Arabia is. If Saudi Arabia joins BRICS, that's going to be a real interesting global foreign affairs. You know, what what do you do if you're the Biden administration, who's supposedly buddies with Saudi Arabia? But when Biden went to Saudi Arabia to meet and talk about oil prices, he did not get a very good reception. But Z goes and gets the red carpet rolled out for him two months later. So it'll be interesting to see how this bricks thing rolls out especially how it uh, impacts the energy climate because we're we're in summer but there's going to be another winter rolling around and you have europe still in a war with russia over the ukraine and now they don't even have either of the Nord stream pipelines because they somebody uh, that is still somehow not totally determined, blew up the Nord Stream 1 pipeline. So, I mean, if, this seems like this isn't going to resolve itself prior to the weather getting cold. So it'll be, I'll be curious to see how this goes. This is like a pretty big deal, not related to crypto and Bitcoin, but just related to how, what the world's going to look like in 10 years. Yeah, and the other one, I mean, you mentioned Argentina. There's a really interesting storyline going on there where the one of the presidential candidates that is very outside of the, the typical box has talked about 
dollarizing the Argentinian government into the U.S. dollar, right? So you have Argentina on one side that's looking to get away from the U.S. dollar, and on the other side, they have a candidate coming in and saying, let's just use the U.S. dollar and get rid of the Argentinian peso. So, I mean, there's a lot of stuff that's going to be happening <laughs> here in the next year or so that is, I mean, right? No idea what's going to happen, but it's, it's definitely going to shake the trees a little bit. Yeah, and change is clumsy, right? So, you know, some of these people that are not impressed with Bitcoin, I don't think they understand that it, there's no way to smoothly introduce a brand new asset class that nobody's ever heard of and get adoption and follow some trajectory that was predetermined. It would be the same thing with BRICS. You'd have countries joining and backing out, getting pressured from the U.S. and, and changing their mind. I mean, there's, it's going to be clumsy and choppy. Uh, but it does not seem like the U.S. is taking it very seriously. I haven't seen us push back or even talk bad about them. You know, normally when the U.S., when something's going on in somewhere else in the world, the U.S. media starts really dogging it and talking about that's not a threat. It's no big deal and things like that. And they're not doing that. They're not even really mentioning it much. This It's mostly been, oh, here's, they met, here's what it is. And you have to really look for them the articles it's not it's not well it's not popping up in my algorithm i don't go to it's not like i'm reading the wall street journal anymore or new york times so maybe it is <laughs> being being broadcast but i there's so much interest from the cryptocurrency bitcoin world and algorithm that there there should be overlap into the bricks information but i i don't really see much of it yeah no i agree it's, it is i think it should be so so sticking on the kind of the macro theme there was an interesting thing that I did see about South Korea. So, and I think this will become relevant in the future, but South Korea has now confiscated over $180 million of crypto. And the, the reason they're doing this is because people are past due on their taxes. So if you owed more than $750 in, in taxes, they were, I guess, forcing exchanges to give them access to their crypto and confiscating it. Is kind of the way I understand it. So it's a slippery slope. <laughs> I, I'd be curious. I mean, can they make banks do that? I'm curious about I, that. I, I did not read that, and it makes me very curious. Yeah. So I, I, I'm not sure how it's happening. I, I mean, shoot, it could be clickbait, I guess, at this point, right? Right, right. But I, I did read an article about it. And one of the other things that I've read a little bit about it is kind of with this latest crypto bill that Biden is trying to push through is it's somewhat requiring all the exchanges to know tons of information about all the people they're doing business with, even the decentralized exchanges, which the whole reason you have a decentralized exchange is for the privacy piece of it. So it's it, it's kind of somewhat almost killing the crypto industry in the U.S., which the U.S. has kind of been fighting that for the past couple of years, thanks to the SEC. I don't, I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see South Korea seems to be taking kind of a hard edge on it and actually going after crypto of people that owe taxes. I don't know if that's even possible to do in a lot of other countries or how they're even doing it there. No, I mean, the United States has property rights and Bitcoin's considered a property. So there's benefit there. The, I don't know. I don't know how that'll turn out, but we're getting close. You know, I, I hear more and more about election stuff and more and more about presidential candidates and I don't know that Biden's going to come in and start rocking the boat with big announcements about how he's going to crack down on cryptocurrencies and Bitcoin. And if he doesn't do it now, 
I mean, if we're if we really are a few months away from an ETF, I kind of calculate that to be very much immediately worth about six thousand dollars on the Bitcoin price. So, you know, six to eight thousand bucks real quick, which that starts a little bit of chatter, right? And that starts to get more people thinking and talking about it. And so you're too close to the election to really come down and crack down on it. There's too many people in the United States that own Bitcoin and cryptocurrency now. I heard uh, 19% of all New York residents own uh, own crypto or digital assets. So it's becoming a big enough voting block. They're just really clumsy. I don't know how strategic they're being about this. It seems really clumsy and a lot of can kicking and waiting. So I don't know that they're going to do anything significant between now and or January 1st of 2025. And at that point, we should be rocking in a in a price escalation, you know, feverish crypto bull run. So good luck stomping it out when everybody's talking about it. Yeah. So speaking of being strategic, I don't know if you saw the news from X or AKA Twitter. Or I'm just going to call it Twitter. I'm, I'm, it's like, I'm so old. It's like a Xerox machine, whether it's a Canon or any sort of photograph. It's like, I'm too old. And I, don't, I don't, I don't think I can call it X. Yeah. So they just secured a currency transmitter license in Rhode Island, which the impact of that is allows them to store, transfer and exchange crypto and other assets internally, right? Which you think, okay, that's just Rhode Island. Well, they already have it in New Hampshire, Michigan, and Missouri. So they're slowly gathering all the necessary state licenses to be able to do this. And then they can become a very interesting player in the payment space in general, since they have so many people tied up into their social network at this point. Oh yeah. Uh, Elon wants a killer app that that can do everything. I mean, that was his goal and rebranding it as X and doing all of the stuff that he's done. He wants it to be a a payment where you can exchange payments. He's already, you know, he's really pushing where you can require subscribers to read your content instead of just, you know, all content is free. So it would be an interesting way to monetize Twitter you know, he already did the $8 a month thing for the check mark, which if you have, I don't know how many millions of people are paying that $8, but it's tens of millions at least. So that's how you monetize things. And it's how you make the killer app that he wanted to make. So could be, could be interesting to watch that. Well, it's interesting if you look at that friend.tech app that was built on top of Bases Layer 2. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's no reason Twitter couldn't do that on their own and collect the revenues from that. I mean, there there were a ton of revenues that I guess happened early on. Granted, they probably dropped 90% since it was first kicked off. But yeah, I mean, there is definitely interest to have more of this subscription base and have access to kind of a, a small group of people that are willing to pay a, a small price to, to hear what you have to say. Yeah. In, in other social media news, I've created a Noster account and started nice. playing around with that. You can definitely tell it's in development. It's a little choppy. Like I am not convinced that I get all of the posts that I'm supposed to be able to read based on who I follow. But it's not bad as far as being able to use it for an average person to go through it. So I've been playing with that. It's been, you know, it's a new toy. It's kind of fun to fun to read through stuff. 
Yeah, no, I mean, it sounds like it could be very interesting in the future. Shopify had some really cool news here too. I mean, not to be outdone by what Twitter was doing, but they just enabled USDC payments um, via Solana. So everybody thought Solana was dead and they are still kicking and who knows, they can't, might come out of this even stronger than ever. But if you USDC has a market cap of almost $20 million. So it is not a small player and using Solana Pay, they can transmit these payments for zero fees. And I don't know if you've ever tried to do Tether or any of these other stable coins. It is painful. I, I think I may have told you I had $11.40 on one of these exchanges that I got and I tried to transfer it out. It was an $11 fee. <laughs> so I was going to get 40 cents if I would transfer that money out. And I was like, this, this is ridiculous. So having these zero fees on stable coins would be really enticing for a lot of people. Now, the, the fee, the race to zero on the fees is interesting to watch because how do you create a company that I would assume wants to turn a profit and knowing that everybody's trying to get fees to, as close to zero as possible. So whoever wins has super lean transaction fees. Yeah, so speaking of zero fees, I don't know if you ever used Robinhood to buy crypto. They were huge in the crypto space and a lot of people had a lot of ease using Robinhood. So you could go buy and sell crypto on Robinhood for no fees. Their big partner in this was Jump Trading and, and Robinhood was doing billions of volume pretty consistently. Well, it's come out that Jump Trading has parted ways with Robinhood, and that happened, I think, at the end of July. But the big reason is they are worried about the regulatory uncertainty in the U.S. And so they have backed away from Robinhood. It looks like Robinhood has found another company, B2C2 now, I think, or B2C2 that they're now using. So it's, I don't know much about that company, to be honest with you, but it's definitely not the same size as Jump Trading. Yes, for sure. I did not. I listened to the CEO of Robinhood speak a few times. I didn't care for that. And so I just never got into Robinhood. And then they froze all the sale trades when the uh, the Wall Street bets GameStop. and GameStop stuff was going nuts. And I'm like, that's not, I'm not going to use those guys. So no, I, yeah. I have not gotten into Robinhood. Yeah, I, I've kind of stayed away myself too, but it's interesting to see, I mean, to have such a good partner that's walking away, I don't know if, how you can still be consistently put out a good product at that point. Yeah, that's not good. So the SEC and Binance are, were in the news too. I don't know if you saw some of those news, but the SEC filed a sealed motion against Binance. Have you, have you heard much about this? Nope. So what's, and I know very little about a sealed motion, but I did read there was a former SEC officer, and I think he has spent close to 20 years at the SEC in the past, and he had never been part or been there while they had done a sealed motion. So this is kind of a big deal. Like, this is not something that happens very often. And he made two guesses on what that can be. Um, one is they're trying to avoid interfering with a criminal investigation at the Department of Justice. And he said in the past, they've worked with the Department of Justice, so eh, I don't know if that's a possible one or not. And the second one is the SEC is worried about 
putting a witness or a company at risk. So no idea what's happening with this. It is rare for this to be something that does happen that, that I think the expectation is at some point we're going to hear some negative news and it's going to hurt the crypto markets. But at this point, what else could it be? <laughs> I, you know, let's go ahead and flush all that bad news out now so that we don't have, <laughs> so it's all nothing but nothing but tailwinds once the next year's rally starts going. Yeah, it would be good. I, I think we did see the, one of the pro Bitcoin presidential candidates, Francis, the mayor of Miami in Florida, has backed out of the presidential race. Uh, he said he still wants to stay in, engaged and make the right Republican decision. But it is kind of disappointing that he's no longer in the running. Would have been good for him to talk about Bitcoin a little bit more and what they've done in the past in Miami. Yep. No, I'll I'll take all the Bitcoin, pro-Bitcoin presidential candidates I can get, as long as I can get them. And maybe we'll bring it up in a debate until... I guess Trump won't jump into a debate maybe until the general. I don't know. They had that Republican debate without Trump and they didn't, it didn't, I I listened to it as much as I could. I don't recall them bringing up Bitcoin, even though Vivek was there. So it'll come up. The the more people that are there that are pro Bitcoin, the better. So we'll see how it goes. I'm curious, curious to see what Trump would even say because he's, he's not, in this to turn people off that aren't already off. Like there, I think there's, there's a lot of freedom loving people that are pro Bitcoin. So I don't know. We'll see. Uh, I don't know that Biden's going to talk. I don't know if they're going to let him talk. It seems like it, it <laughs> seems, I don't know what they're doing. With him. It just doesn't seem like it's a good strategy, but I'd love to hear, I'd love to hear what he actually thinks about Bitcoin. Yeah, I mean, he doesn't answer questions as a president. So why in the earth would he answer questions as running for the next presidency? (laughs) So whether you like him or hate him, you probably heard of BitBoy. And especially, shoot, he's probably in between you and I over in Cobb County, Uh based in Georgia. And if you watch anything on YouTube, somehow he gets onto your feed, most likely. But the interesting news with that is he has been ousted from his own company and his own show. <laughs> so apparently they're saying that he has fallen back into substance abuse, which which isn't funny at all, but it's crazy because they literally took over his YouTube channel and kicked him out and he has he is no longer part of the entire network and company that he created. So man, it's it's kind of wild, but that's the the drama going on in the crypto community these days. Yeah, I, I don't remember exactly who he is, but I'm pretty sure that I've watched a thing or two. So hopefully if, if it is a substance abuse thing, hopefully we can get it together and get back in. But I don't even know from a legal entity with him owning, I mean, unless he gave away all the shares, he should be, he should have some say into this sort of thing. I don't know how that would work. Yeah, he, he all of a sudden turned it. So he was really big into going after SBF, saying that he was one of the ones that, pointed out what SBF was doing and he flew down to the Bahamas to try to interview anybody down there in the Bahamas and Tether and SBF and yada, yada, yada. He recently kind of started creating his own meme coin. So I don't know if he's getting in trouble from the SEC or what, but they just got rid of him and said, you're no longer part of this this company for now. And we, we wish you luck on your recovery. So bold move. Yeah. So you know I'm a Cardano fan. 
Yes. I don't know if you saw Charles Hoskinson's latest the talk that he gave, but he pretty much gave a really interesting discussion talking about that Cardano is going to have a very bright future. And he was mainly focusing on the governance story and Bitcoin and Ethereum. And Bitcoin doesn't truly have one Ethereum's version of it. I think he called it dumpster fire. <laughs> but the pro behind it is what Cardano is building should enable Cardano to be used in a lot of other applications, which whether it's true or not, I'm not sure, right? It sounds great. I'm somewhat bought into it. I kind of agree with it, but then again, I'm not an expert in this. But what do you, I mean, if they do become the largest crypto, I mean, if you start running the numbers, man, they got a lot of room to grow <laughs> compared to what Ethereum and Bitcoin and, and what the other markets could be. So it's exciting news. Hopefully it comes true because I like them. Time will tell whether or not it's really going to happen. I mean, they have been very systematic on their rollout of what they're doing and when they're rolling it out. So it's been slower than everybody else wanted, but it's it's still moving forward at a, at a decent clip. Yeah. Now, Cardano definitely feels like kind of an also-ran to me. But if you can stick around and get your stuff right, and eight months from now, ten months from now, we see that normal four-year cycle where everybody's talking about crypto and everybody's placing bets on random altcoins and playing all those games. If you can just position yourself now to be in that discussion and have and release news and build your business, you can essentially fund your business through the sale of your coins that you're, you know, you hold in your treasury so that you're, although the, although it's not an unsecured or an unregistered security because it's sold on Coinbase, but you could use those funds to, to run the initiatives that you're kind of planning on doing now. So we'll see. Yeah, uh, Cardano, uh, Cardano seems to be a company that acts like a company and isn't just trying to sell a token for no reason. You know, Shibu Inu, this thing. So we'll see. Yeah. If you are looking at the amount of people that are working on different blocks, Cardano leads the pack, right? So they have the most people working on development across the world. So, I mean, that, that is positive, right? Now, whether or not they executed on on all of that is kind of to be determined. I'm cautiously, cautiously optimistic. Hopefully, Charles can help point them in the right direction and things do well, but... We'll see what happens. So speaking of positive news, kind of saving one of the better things, one of the better pieces of news for last, Bitcoin had a new all-time record hash rate. <laughs> so continuing during all of the craziness of what's going on, the Bitcoin network continues to grow, continues, everybody wants to be a part of it. So it's one of those things where if you haven't jumped on yet, <laughs> what are you waiting for? You know, I thought about this. I heard that, that that was happening. I listened to a podcast on on mining and kind of the latest thing and thinking about the happening and what happens when miners, you know, the ones that have old equipment becomes obsolete. So they have to capitulate and give up. And then the bigger mining companies or people that have newer equipment kind of take over. And it's everybody has heard about Bitcoin at this point. And so, because there's a big thing about the ETF to kind of cycle back to the ETF that 
oh man, once you get that and you have big money and Wall Street's got it and now, you know, Bitcoin's, the the price escalation benefits the big rich people instead of your everyday person that Bitcoin's really supposed to help. And I'm, I think I've flipped the, flipped the switch to like, hey, if you're not in Bitcoin right now, that's your own fault. You've had, you've had at least eight years of hearing about it and you've had six years of really having an opportunity to understand it. And if you've declined it all the way. So if Bitcoin takes off and you're, you're, you're sitting there holding us dollars, I, I don't, I, 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 I'm not going to blame the sec and I'm not going to blame the investment houses for coming out with an ETF and you know, the the mining the mining hash rate is through the roof because you've got public companies mining in major ways you've got the power industry and even if there's if there's a weather problem in Texas you get to hear about bitcoin now so it's it's not like you only hear about it in these obscure ways if there's a winter storm or a huge heat wave in Texas they bring it up so it's it's too late to complain that you didn't jump in. That's the way I see it. Well, it's interesting too. I mean, we shoot. I think we talked about last week another solo miner won a Bitcoin reward, right? Mm-hmm. And the Bitcoin rewards currently are one hundred and sixty something thousand dollars <laughs> that you get. So even if you have old equipment, you might get lucky every once in a while if you're just running it to heat your house, <laughs> and you get a hundred and sixty thousand dollar payday. And shoot, if it goes up higher i mean we're talking about 10x from where it is today possibly then even if the roars get cut in half you're still talking about a very good payday right so it, it, it's going to continue to be something that should be on everybody's mind and and all the benefits that do come along with it like you talked about from a power perspective that it's enabling companies to create ways to keep the lights on other places and use the excess power and monetize it when it's not being used by consumers. Yeah. So to me, it's not a secret that the mining hash rate is through the roof. I don't know if you've seen a chart lately, but it's parabolic. Like it's not a linear increase. So that's going to keep going. Then I guess we'll see what happens at the halving when that they might be hurting. But I mean, that's, there's a reason to believe that's why the price goes up so much after the halving because it's the cost to produce doubles. So we'll see. Well, it's usually the price follows the hash rate. The hash rate doesn't follow the price. Correct. So if we're seeing an exponential increase in hash rate, we should see a somewhat good increase in the price at some point in the future. Now, is that weeks, months, years? I'm not sure. Right? But it's it's bound to happen at some point. And shoot, we're <laughs> this is what just less than or right around 15 years that Bitcoin's been around, right? So it's still early on. There's still another hundred-ish years till all of Bitcoin is mined. So we're just kind of scratching the surface of where we are in this. And if it's going parabolic right now, I can only imagine where it's going to be in 50 plus years from now. Yeah. And I mean, I saw where some different countries, smaller stuff released that they've been mining Bitcoins for years. And they just kind of, it either became known they leaked it or whatever. And so that, again, I mean, it's kind of like El Salvador. It's like, okay, well, if they're doing it, there's similar countries of that size that are in a similar position. 
I'm like, oh man, we're we're behind them, right? It's even if like I think about it like with the states, like Mississippi's got like the worst education program of any of the states. So, you know, if if they make a change, then the three, four, five other bottom tier states have to be like, okay, well, we need to we need to do something because we don't want to take their spot at the bottom. So even if the worst country at whatever industry it is, they have competitors, they don't want to be the they don't want to be the new worst, right? And so it, it'll be interesting to see how this plays out. Yeah, so the one other thing that I'll throw out there and, and then I'm about done on my end is I had another conversation about the Fold app with somebody and kind of the, the secret behind utilizing your Fold card to pay off your credit cards through PayPal and you get 1% of all your um, payments back in Bitcoin. So it's kind of free Bitcoin, where if you want to get started in crypto slash Bitcoin and not spend any money on Bitcoin, this is a super easy way to do it. <laughs> so if you haven't done this yet, go get the free fold card, load money on it, use your PayPal account, put the fold card on there, and then pay off your credit card. And you'll get 1%, if not more, with all the extra spins. So it's hard to turn down free money. Right. That's exactly what I'm saying. I mean... I'm not, I don't feel bad for people that did not get into Bitcoin. Like my mom, who's 66 years old and retired, is like for years, have been like, oh, I, you know, I want to buy Bitcoin. I want to do this. I don't know how to do it. I'm like, I'll help you anytime you want. And I visit her once every month or six weeks. And she were never like, all right, let's sit down and do it. So, you know, there's, there's got to be for everybody that's actually bought Bitcoin and, and kind of overcome that uncertainty of doing something you've never done before. There's got to be like 10, 15 people that want to, that just haven't sat down to figure it out, you know? Yeah, my mom's the opposite. I had a conversation with her and all of a sudden she's telling me, oh, I just bought some Shiba Inu. I was like, what? <laughs> okay, you went a little overboard here, but okay, I guess that's good. Congratulations. <laughs> well, I guess the, the sooner you get burned on that stuff, the sooner you buy Bitcoin. Yeah, some of that too, right? But it's just, she's like, what, what if it goes to a penny? <laughs> I was like, do the math. <laughs> and it took over the world. Yeah. So awesome. Anything you have on your end? Uh, no, I think I'm you good. Talk about? No, I'm good. All right. Well, fun week from a crypto perspective and just a news perspective. Lots of interesting things. It's, I feel like it's been a few weeks since we've had some really big uh, pops in the news. So looking forward to next week and see what happens. And I'll chat with you then. Sounds good, Jason. Appreciate it. If all of these crypto conversations leave you with more questions, and you're looking for answers. I've created a product that dives into most of those answers, including why crypto, how to set up a cold wallet, and some of the more advanced strategies for dealing with crypto. Check the link in the notes below and hope to see you there.